This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we build professional development systems to help engineers and their firms grow. You can now download our recently published AE Industry Trends Report, which contains answers to the following questions. How long will the great resignation last? Are firms still allowing remote work and how is it affecting their productivity? How are successful firms using data to create people-centric cultures? You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Do you know the secret formula that's fueling successful projects? Effective teams. That's right. All you need for your project to be successful is an effective team. And in this episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast, I'll be talking with Lisa Dwyer, a senior technical principal with WSP USA, who will share her recipe for success to build a successful project delivery team. I'm your host, Jared Green, and I'm excited to be bringing you another episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. Before we go on here, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, Keller. At Keller, our employees are the key to our success. We give our employees the tools they need to be successful in their careers. As part of the connected companies of Keller, our employees have access to a global network of industry experts and thought leaders. Whether you are just entering the workforce or a seasoned professional, Keller will help you to develop a career path tailored to your strengths. As we continuously grow, so do our career opportunities. To prepare our employees, we invest in their professional and personal development. We offer specialized learning and development programs tailored to specific career paths. From our project manager and field leadership academies to our foundations of leadership, our goal is to give our employees the tools they need to be successful. To learn more about how you can get your career started at Keller, visit our website at www.keller-na.com careers. Hello, Lisa. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great today, Jared. How are you? It's great to be here. I'm doing well. Glad to have you on. Really was looking forward to this conversation. So let's start out. If you could tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and uh, what is it that you do on a daily basis at WSP? Well, I'm a senior technical principal at WSP in the geotechnical and tunneling group. And currently I serve in an internal consulting and review role on a number of projects, including soft ground and hard rock tunnels, bridge foundations, and slope stabilization projects, uh, primarily in Pennsylvania and the upper Midwest. So these projects are at varying stages of development, ranging from cost feasibility studies to help an owner plan and program their expenditures for a long range project, to um, projects that are in design with our deliverables being planned, specifications and cost estimates, um, to ongoing construction. So the specific tasks that I'm working on on any given day vary quite a bit, but I'm tech support for the team. Now, previously, in addition to my technical role, I've served as a project manager for multidisciplinary projects and also as a geotechnical task lead. And I've managed staff and business development for our geotechnical and tunneling group in the central United States. 
Wow. So you got a lot that you're responsible for. <laughs> it's been fun. Yeah. No, it sounds like fun. And for our listeners that might not be too familiar with project delivery teams, can you explain what a project delivery team does? Like, what does that team actually do? Engineering project delivery is really very broadly just the process of taking a project from scoping through execution through closeout. So really, it's what most of us in consulting engineering do on a regular daily basis. Now, depending on the owner's construction procurement method, the designer and the construction contractor may or may not be integrated within a project delivery team. So you know, in traditional design bid build, um, the designer's work precedes contractor involvement. And um, typically we're talking about a multidisciplinary design engineering team. Now on other types of um, alternative project delivery, such as design build or CMAR, construction management at risk, the contractor may be a fully engaged member of the project delivery team right from inception. But in general, we're talking about a team that might include um, planners, environmental specialists, architects, and multiple engineering disciplines, including the geotechnical engineer. Project delivery is the broad concept, and these are the people who get together to make it happen for an owner. Thank you so much for that. And, and you've worked for a major multidiscipline engineering firm and also for geotechnical engineering consulting firms. Why do you think it's important to work collaboratively with other disciplines? Going back to the days when we had a project leader who was primarily responsible for, say, the Brooklyn Bridge, even then it took a team. And now as our project tools and the projects themselves become more complex, you have a whole host of specialties, each who have a lot to contribute to overall project success. And we have to work together. We have to understand each other and communicate effectively in order to deliver you know, on time, on budget, um, two expectations um, for our owners and for the public as end users. It really is important to make sure that we are communicating effectively within the team. And that means not just how we express and communicate our discipline, but how we listen to and understand the, the disciplines of others so that we can work effectively together. This is something that we can do effectively, both within an organization that is inherently multidisciplinary by having all services under one roof in design. It is also something that we can achieve when we are members of specialty engineering firms who participate in projects. And so whether you are a geotechnical engineer in a multidisciplinary business or whether you are in a specialty consulting firm, it's really important to engage with the project team. The project team comes together to deliver a particular project, and those people need to work together collaboratively to get to know each other and to um, get to understand the project together so that they are not overlooking key elements to success. You know, An example would be that on some projects, schedule is really a very critical driver and small savings in project construction costs may be dwarfed by not having a facility in service and generating revenue a few days sooner. That's so true. And 
you know, everybody comes to the project team with something that they're focused in on. And if you're not talking to one another, you can miss critical things. <laughs> that opening date is so critical, right? And it's like, if not everybody knows that it could be a problem. What are some key skills that, uh, let's say, early career geotechnical engineers should acquire in order to be a strong technical team leader on, or team member, I should say, on multiple discipline projects? What are some things come to mind for you? You need to start from a strong grounding within your own discipline. You have to have knowledge to share to be an effective member of the team. So starting with a really solid technical preparation, which in geotechnical engineering means you do need graduate studies and having a good academic preparation is the first starting point. And then in terms of the experience that it's important to acquire within the first 10 years or so of your career, it's essential to get some practical, hands-on, boots-on-the-ground experience, both in subsurface exploration, and that would include working knowledge of laboratory testing beyond what you've simply acquired in school, and construction field experience. I still remember that um, the first time I uh, was involved in drilled shaft acceptance criteria. Now, I'm really going to show my age here because this is back in the days when people used to go down drilled shafts and check for the presence of uh, weathered seams, clay seams, um, and there were specifications for you know what the spacing could be. We still do that, but remotely now with core. And um, my specifications for acceptance became uh, much more straightforward after the first time I had to do that inspection personally. That's so true. It's one thing when you're looking at a textbook and saying, you know, how will we know this is good? But when you're out in the field, you know exactly. Uh, that's that's right. That's so true. Yeah, you you understand a little bit better. Some of the constraints are on verification under field conditions and um, what the real tools are at the contractor's disposal to achieve um, the performance criteria that you've specified. You said something interesting there. You said that the graduate studies, you said that's something that's necessary to start. I agree with you, especially for geotechnical engineering. You want to go into that a little more because I, I know some people say, well, well, I have a bachelor's degree, so I am a geotech. What would you say to that? You know, I have a lot of respect for people who come into the profession through multiple pathways. And many people do acquire a lot of very solid skills through um, a bachelor's degree with a geotechnical focus and years of experience and good guidance and development along the way. What it really helps in terms of your development in engineering judgment is to have the broad base of technical knowledge that you gain through higher level academic preparation, a, a, you know, an extra couple of years of um, deeper study in our specialty so that you have the basic underpinnings of understanding that allow you to learn and assess when you first encounter something that is new to you. If you're aspiring to be able to practice at a relatively high level in geotechnical consulting, you have to have the knowledge of how to think about technical problems that a solid graduate education does foster for people. Now, you got to bring it with you too. You have to bring that desire for lifelong learning, that commitment to learning that I'm going to not just do this task and check the box, but I'm going to understand why. And I'm going to understand the underlying contributing factors that lead to performance acceptance. And then that 
is really essential for this delivery environment. You have to have that technical expertise as one of those team members. And, you know, I often tell, especially younger engineers, that if you have a seat at the table, you have a seat at the table. So take up your space. And you're not invited to the table unless you have that technical expertise. So that's um, truly critical. I couldn't agree more. Now, when you're thinking about uh, bringing on new team members or, or hiring, and, and this is, I think it's very important because we talk about uh, all the different infrastructure projects that are starting now and how we need engineers. I'd be curious to hear, how do you select new team members? How do you ensure that they're the right candidate for the job? What are the things you're looking for? Well, people come into an organization with a range of experience. Some people come in as new grads. Some people come in as very seasoned and experienced uh, team members uh, with a lot to contribute from their prior background. In all instances, as we talked about earlier, uh, a solid fundamental preparation is really important so that you're ready to not just deliver on the immediate project need, but so that you have a strong career path within the organization and opportunities for growth and development over a full career. Um, We don't hire for projects. Um, I think most solid firms are looking for people who will contribute to the organization over the long term. We invest a lot in staff development. There's a lot of sweat equity that you put in, especially a new grad where you're, you know, you're looking to help bring them up right. And once you've got that invested, you really want to keep that talent bloom where you're planted. So beyond that, there's Something that's a little bit hard to define, but I think that we all know when we see it, that spark of understanding, not just, I have done this, I I have taken these classes and I have done these analyses and I have worked on these types of projects and my experience checks all these boxes, but also, do I have that understanding of the why behind the how that demonstrates that, uh, you know, this person has already shown an ability to grow technically and has the potential for continued technical growth and contribution throughout their career. Now, beyond that, you know, these are very broad generalities, right? There are some very specific skills that you're looking for oftentimes for a particular role. And there, I think it's important to recognize the mix that you need on a team. Unless you have a a very specialized practice, you probably don't need everyone or want everyone to have a passion for uh, numerical modeling. We need people who have those skill sets. Um, We also need the kinds of people who have that hands-on understanding of how to make geotechnical instrumentation work, the kind of inspector gadget mentality of being able to get everything to deliver. Uh, Data is complicated stuff, and and obtaining good quality data takes people who are detail-focused with technology. So it's you want to have a mix of talents within a team. And that's something I've always looked to balance within any work groups that I've been a part of, whether it's a project team where you are filling specific roles. I mean, you might actually have, you know, a project instrumentation specialist for your tunnel project, for example. That is a a very particular role. But sometimes you're trying to build a geographic team, which will be part of project delivery for multiple projects. And there, the kind of balance that I was talking about, balance of skill sets, um, balance of talents is important. That's really encouraging to hear because I, I can imagine there's a, a young listener listening in and it sounds like there's a place for everybody, right? If you're hardworking and you're creative and you're a problem solver, there's there's something for everybody and there's a lot of opportunity out there. 
I think that's true. There are such needs in um, civil engineering broadly and geotechnical engineering and tunneling practice in particular. Um, it's a great time to be a young practitioner now. It really is. I talk to people from a lot of different areas within the market and everybody's saying, I wish I could hire more engineers. <laughs> so true. They say we're not graduating them fast enough. It's a wow, that's, that sounds like an opportunity. Let's talk about project schedules a little bit. To me, it seems like they're increasingly accelerated. But when you look at a you know a longer term historical view of some major civil engineering works, many of them were designed and built on tight schedules and they were supposed to meet uh, the needs of the people of that day. So in your opinion, how does timely geotechnical involvement support overall project schedules? I think it is really important that the geotechnical engineer have, as you say, a seat at the table early in the project process. Now, it's essentially routine practice that for major infrastructure programs, you know, major new highway alignments, uh, tunnel alignments, large civil works programs, there is a geotechnical desktop phase of study where you collect the regional geologic information and past subsurface explorations in the region and whatever you may be able to glean from the available record without having to actually collect new subsurface data to serve in project planning and then to interact at a sufficient level with the overall project planning team that some basic decisions about, well, this route for the alignment will encounter more peat bogs along this highway alignment and there are risks of liquefiable sands in this reach. Um, the rock types that might be encountered along a, a tunnel profile. Those kinds of early evaluations can also benefit projects on uh, more modest scales, projects where all too often the planning and budgeting is done without any geotechnical involvement. And then the geotechnical engineer may be brought in at the point that there is, you know, an AIA G602 form, um, here's the checked off boxes for what we need from you. Give us, you know, go drill some holes and give us a report. And we'll tell you where everything's going to be so you'll know, you know, where we want those borings. I'm describing kind of two extremes of practice, right? Hopefully the reality is not. Hopefully it's somewhere not in the middle. That, yeah. But even on projects that are are really quite modest in scale. And I have not worked, I've not spent my entire career working on mega projects. I've worked on big box stores and and other, you know, more prosaic things that I, you know, also feel it's important be done right. Even if the question is, here's this overall commercial or industrial site, where on the site are the optimal places for the major structure foundations? Where are places that are better suited for detention ponds? The feasibility or at least the cost impacts of choices about basement levels, you have issues with dewatering. Those kinds of decision-making processes are places where we can, as geotechnical engineers, improve constructability, reduce risks, and um, help the owner manage their project delivery costs. So from that standpoint, being engaged early in the process on more than a cursory level on a be part of the project team, understand the broad issues, understand the objectives and priorities. It can really benefit project success overall. So we talked a little bit about, you know, what you would be looking for 
an engineer, when I think about when I'm talking to younger engineers, one of the things that they're really looking for is culture. How important you know, is culture when building an engineering team? And what are some of the things that WSP is doing to improve culture within the organization? You know, culture exists within a firm, a firm at large scale like WSP, at multiple levels, at the broad corporate level, top down, and at the team level, bottom up. And so I see the importance of building the kind of culture you want to be a part of from both directions. So looking um, at some of the things that we do on a broader corporate level, we have some great corporate initiatives that are meant to build both technical culture and business culture. Lots of um, in-house training programs and also um, lots of in-house communities that have an online international presence, uh, practice area networks. So we have multiple PANs that people can join and post and answer questions from a wide range of disciplines. And I'm a member of a whole bunch of those, some of which I'm really just, um, what do you say? I'm a lurker. On the structural engineering PAN, I may not have a lot of solutions to contribute, but I find it fascinating to look at some of the questions that they're examining. On the pavements pan, I do sometimes have subgrade suggestions and and, um, input on methodologies, Um, but mostly it's just really interesting to use that as a window into seeing the topics that people are working on and engaged in across the firm. So we recently held a virtual conference, an international virtual conference that was sponsored primarily by the PANs, bringing hot topics to the forefront. There were, I think, uh, 55 sessions, 33 countries participating, and a very wide range of topics, a lot of sustainability-focused topics, a lot of things that were you know, focused on new developments in traditional sectors like bridges and tunnels. And um, very interesting opportunity to see a range of practice, not just nationally, but internationally. Closer to home, we have regular webinars from internal and external subject matter experts within geotechnical engineering and tunnel engineering, and many other disciplines within the firm do likewise. We have a strong emphasis on sustaining a culture of excellence. We're very proud of the history and heritage of many of the firms that have joined WSP through acquisition. I am part of Legacy Parsons Brinkerhoff historically. Um, We have colleagues um, from Golder. We have colleagues recently joined us from Wood and a a host of other firms and other disciplines who have you know, come together to, to build this growing powerhouse. So as part of that sense of, of wanting to sustain the culture of excellence that is at the foundation of our history and heritage, there's a lot of encouragement for publication and professional society participation at the local and national level. And um, that really brings a lot of value. I, I know you have also been very involved in professional society practice. So I know you're well aware of the benefits that it brings, not just to our profession, but to you as an individual to make those connections. And I'm really pleased that we're going to be working together on the ASCE Geo Institute Technical Coordination Council. That'll be fun. 
It is. It is. I am a big fan of giving back. And, you know, I guess they call it paying it forward. I think about, um, you know, all the folks that mentored me or, or provided opportunities. And it's like, if there's any way I could do that, I want to do it as you do, right? We raise our hands for these things. We raise our hands for these things. So it's good. There is an expression. If you want something done, ask a busy person. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and the reward for good work is more good work, right? <laughs> <laughs> what could be more fun? <laughs> it could be more Yeah, what could be more fun, right? <laughs> well, before we take our break, what's, uh, let's see, a final piece of advice you'd like to give to the geotechnical engineers that are listening in? Seek opportunities for lifetime learning and stay tuned in for new developments as they emerge. And that applies not just to new technologies in geotechnical engineering, of which there are so many, but also new techniques in um, project delivery. And, you know, staying current, staying, staying an engaged member of a project team means that you need to be on the platforms that other people are working in and be conversant with them. I will never forget the day that a colleague came by my office and caught me putting a post-it note on my computer screen in lieu of a scale. And he said, oh, is that AutoCAD 1.0? Oh, I've definitely done that before. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. You don't want to be the person who says, I have people for that. You want to be at least conversant as a basic user in you know, the tools of our trade. And that now means CAD and GIS and really being able to make those tools and platforms work for you. I love the project collaboration sites like, um, you know, Teams and Bluebeam that let, really take some of the friction out of the documentation process. All of those review, comment, generation and response processes now, like you have more time and energy to focus on the meat of it because you're not like saying, you know, uh, in section 3.0.2.7 paragraph C. <laughs> Yeah, right? You're just pointing right there and there's your problem. Let's just point yeah, to it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Let's share the screen. I remember the first time, you know, of course it was a much younger staff that was showing me how to share the screen. This was years back. And I said, oh, you could do that? I thought only IT could do that, right? And it's like, let's get into the document. Now, after the pandemic or during the pandemic, we had to use those type of tools. And so now that, you know, we're in offices, we could still be smart about how we're collaborating. So you're right. Instead of spelling out where it is, just point to it, right? <laughs> and those things, you know, actually generating the comment response form directly from the document, um, those kinds of things really, really do help us be more effective. And, you know, if I take a, a sort of a, a full career perspective on the things that have become easier, tools have made us more productive as individual engineers. But then there's also all these really cool um, opportunities that are developing with emerging technical practice now. Um, and I think it's very exciting. We are inherently a data-rich field. And so there's all these opportunities to take the tremendous quantities of data that we generate and do more meaningful probabilistic design to use machine learning and AI techniques as they are evolving to collect richer data from the things we already do using techniques like measurement while drilling, MWD. And then to, to do a better job of sharing and building data sets through DIGS, uh, Data Interchange for Geotechnical and Geoenvironment. Yeah, that's a mouthful. It's a backronym, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, that's so, great. That's and great. Who knows? Lots of opportunity. Who and there's something else being developed, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's all of these um, new tools and toys um, are very exciting. And I can't wait to see what's around the corner. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much. It's a great note to pause on. We're going to come back in just a minute and close this one out with Lisa and our Career Factor Safety In segment. Stick around. All right, welcome back. It's time for our Career Factor Safety End segment. In geotechnical engineering, just like many disciplines of engineering, it's important to incorporate a factor of safety into your design. But what about incorporating a factor of safety into your career? Today, of course, we're speaking with Lisa Dwyer, a senior technical principal at WSP. Lisa, you've already had a very successful career. Now, when you look back on that career, what's one thing you implemented to give yourself, let's call it a career factor of safety? So through a combination of my own diverse technical interests and project opportunities that I've had over the years, I've chosen to develop rather broad skills across a wide range of geotechnical and tunneling practice. And I've worked in multiple geographic areas and geologic settings. So by developing a broad skill set, I've always had a wide range of interesting project opportunities where I could contribute and In the mid-sized cities where I've spent most of my career, it can be difficult to build a practice in a narrower specialization. So that is certainly something I would call a career factor of safety. There's kind of a factor of safety on my factor of safety. I have really enjoyed and appreciated being backstopped by a network of subject matter experts within WSP who provide tremendous support. And I'm deeply appreciative of the work that they have done in providing specialty expertise, say in grouting or blast vibration management, drilled shaft uh, design and construction. And I have really valued the opportunity to work with and learn from many such experts. So that's really been a big part of my technical development, as well as helping me achieve successful project delivery for clients. Redundancy, I guess. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for sharing all the great insights with us. You share some great information and advice. I know it's going to be helpful for our listeners. Now, the question I have is, how can listeners find you? Are you on social media or an email address you want to share with us? Sure. I'm on LinkedIn, Elizabeth Dwyer, my full name. And um, my email is elizabeth.dwyer, D-W-Y-R-E, at WSP.com. Be happy to hear from listeners. Awesome. We'll get those in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. This is a lot of fun. Thank you, Jared. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Please feel free to go to geotechnicalengineeringpodcast.com where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, that being episode 62, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, we wish you the very best in all your geotechnical engineering endeavors. Peace. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report 
at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.